Hello podcast listener, thanks so much for choosing another episode of Reaction by Home Things. Now I won't keep you long, I just wanted to let you know that Home Things is launching into the big old world really, really soon. If you want to be the first in line to receive exclusive discount and you know, be the first to know when we launch, which makes you look pretty cool, just go to our website, it's gethomethings.com and sign up in the box that looks like you should put your email address in it. Okay, back to the show. Enjoy. Reaction. 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 Nice gold dust. Hey guys, welcome to Reaction, the sustainability podcast by Home Things. And today I'm sat opposite the amazing Elsie and Dominica from Bybee Beauty. Hello. Hi. How are you both? Well. (laughs) We're fantastic. (laughs) We're well fantastic. (laughs) We're so excited for the new decade. Same. Are you though? Yeah. Or are you a little bit intimidated? No. I think 2020 is, or the decade of the 20s, is going to be a good decade for us. We're going to solve climate change, we're going to save the planet, and Bybee is going to be greatly successful. How weird is it that it's the 20s again? Though? I know. Yeah. Like, and in the future, crazy. people will look back and talk about the 20s yeah. and be like, oh, we were girls in the 20s. Yeah. It's like, like, so old. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. I hate thinking about that. So, as I pre-warned you... At the start of every show, I do a bonkers bit of the week. Do you want to go first or shall I go first? I think you should go first. Yeah. Okay, mine is quite shocking. Uh, okay. it's, not that, it's actually not that shocking. You probably will already know it. Did you know that Gwyneth Paltrow has released a candle yes. called This Smells Like My Vagina? Did yeah. you know that? Yeah. For £58. Ridiculous. 58. 58 is sold out so you can't buy it. But £58. <laughs> Oh my god. I know. What, what does that even smell like? I can tell you. I'm glad you asked. I'm actually glad you asked. Because according to the candle, it's a... I read this to my boyfriend last night and he was like, what would yours be called? I was like, let's not go down the road. Let's not answer that. So hers is a funny, gorgeous, sexy and beautifully unexpected scent. She mm. said that she was producing it with this, like, whoever she works with for her candles. And the first iteration, she smelt and said, that smells like my vagina. And then they were like, oh, my God, this could be amazing. Let's roll with it. So then they, like, developed it. And they were like, how funny will it be if <laughs> you've got it burning in your home and you invite people around for dinner? And they're like, what is that? And you're like, my vagina. <laughs> that was her explanation of it. She's, she's got a bit of sass to scream. Like, she's <laughs> so much sass. Also, I'm not sure I trust her on <laughs> vaginal health on you know like the whole steaming the vagina thing yeah i don't think that's very healthy enough mm, it smells true. like beautiful bergamot i'm like hun what are you doing down there okay because there we go there we go Girls. that is truly bonkers it, yeah thank you it's bonkers who wants to top that who dares go next? You go, and then I'll go with the <laughs> lighter. So mine's also a shocking, bonkers um, piece of info that I read recently, but it's more around the topic at hand, which is sustainability. So my bonkers fact that I read um, a couple of days ago that all plastic produced ever, 50% of it is single use, which means that like, however billions of tonnes of plastic have ever been produced since plastic was ever invented... Most of it was only used once, which is just crazy. It's crazy. Mm. Also, it quite straight disgusting. to landfill or the ocean. So. You wonder how we have had the room for it, and I, I mean, That's you see what, pictures I, I now. I always think about that. Yeah, like, where does it all go? Exactly. Like, but yeah, now I mean, now we now see. It's coming now back. we see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we see the pictures of the oceans, but it is freaky, isn't it? Like, there's yeah. so much plastic, and I think I read something 
I cannot remember the statistic off the top of my head, but it said something like the all the pictures that we see of like the plastic in the ocean, like is only 1% of actually all the plastic litter that is out there, which I think is even scarier. Mm. Cause like we see those images and we're like, ah, God, like can't even swim for all the plastic. But if that's like 1%, yeah. I mean, the world's a big place. So yeah, there probably is a lot of plastic, but that's gross. And only 9% has ever been recycled yeah. of all plastic ever created, which is just sad. That is um, to suit the, Tuesday, January. That is gloomy. It is that, that's, <laughs> that's like grim bonkers. <laughs> I've got Sorry. slightly. I've got less, bo- slightly less bonkers, but more positive on Love the yeah. same topic. So we um, have just written a piece about Veganuary um, in the context of climate change, um, which is going up on Bybee if you fancy a read um, on our blog. And we were looking at. Um, different types of food and drink and the greenhouse gas released um, kind of associated to each one. So like beef, chicken, et cetera, et cetera. The great bonkers news is that wine is one of the lowest. Yes, um, wine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so the production of wine releases is one of the lowest um, CO2 releasing pr- production processes of food and drink, along with things like uh, lemons and limes uh, and potatoes. Um, so vodka as well perhaps then yeah Yeah, exactly so that you know that is good news if you're if you're looking into changing up some switching up some of your dietary (laughs) habits based on climate change don't take out the wine (laughs) keep it in if anything exactly (laughs) wine is good for the planet replace wine with food yeah (laughs) replace food with wine yeah (laughs) i absolutely love that you know what that is a good positive thing that I think we should all take away from. Yeah, tell your friends. <laughs> tell your, <laughs> tell your friends, raise a glass. <laughs> all the good stuff. <laughs> so, girls. Yes. Bybee. Tell me about it. How did you guys come up with the idea? Maybe how did you guys meet? How did Bybee come about? Like, what was the idea behind it? Whose idea was it? Was it a combination? Like, talk me through that journey of the starting like tiny seed thought where you're like "Mm, this might be interesting to where you guys are today in 2020 i just have to put this in here that this is the first time this new year that i've done this story (laughs) like we're usually really well versed at it so if it sounds a bit rusty just let me know i'll cut it out yeah (laughs) just edit (laughs) i'm like god how did we even start january for a few years now Actually, this will be marking five years since the creation of Clean Beauty oh Insiders. Oh my god. No. God, we're getting old. Really old. <laughs> really old. I mean, I didn't want to say anything, but it's probably all the great skincare that you guys make. Yeah. You're looking fresh. Trying. <laughs> Um, we started, okay, so we know each other, um, we met through working together. We nice. used to work in advertising. Um, we joined the same company at the same time. We were brought in to do quite similar roles um, in sales, so we're sales girls through and through, um, which has actually been hugely helpful in building a business because you basically have to pitch to everyone yeah. the whole time. Um, we, yeah, we struck it off straight away. Um, there were lots of things that we bonded over. And actually, on the subject of, we've been talking a lot about vegan <laughs> veganism this morning, um, but it was kind of as that like health wellness movement was hitting the UK. Um, you know, we're always like slow to the party with that kind of thing. So yeah. there's like the west coast of, you know, the US, like speeding ahead, Gwyneth <laughs> leading the way. The Good UK is work. like, hey, have you ever heard of oat milk? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen yeah. avocado? <laughs> 
so that was us. Um, and there were the likes of, um, you know, Deliciously Ella, Madeline Shaw, like those guys kind of like coming to the scene with some interesting thoughts on re-looking at food groups and, and making things like veganism quite trendy. And we were like, this is, this is cool. This is interesting. So we started like diving into that movement. I believe it was called the clean eating movement back then, which has yes, since that. had a lot yes. of backlash. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But we were like part-timers in that movement as well. So it was like sometimes vegan, sometimes sometimes yeah. chocolate. We're stuck with the wine, which now <laughs> yeah. we know is actually a great decision. We were ahead of our time it with that so one. so intuitive. We knew it. <laughs> um, so we started like getting involved in that kind of thing, you know, making our sweet potato brownies, doing kind of like bon- quite bonkers, um, <laughs> like marathons and triathlons and that kind of thing and, and really enjoyed it. Um, and through that process started to think more about, um, beauty, you know, if we're thinking about what we're eating, have we started to think about what we're putting on our skin? And alongside that, I have both always been like massive beauty junkies. Beauty's always been a huge part of our lives. And for us, a kind of light bulb moment came when we were like, hang on a second, what is even in all of these beauty products? We have no idea. Um, we taught ourselves how to read inkies as they're called ingredients lists on the back of our beauty products and for us we were just like basically there's loads of water in these products Mm -hmm. and the stuff that the brand is shouting about comes at you know the last ingredient on the list which means it's not in great quantities which means none of these products are actually going to do much to our skin and we felt pretty con so we were like what can we do and in the same way that Ella was you know making her avocado smoothies we were like can we do the same but with our beauty products so we started putting those kind of things on our face, basically. We were just like, can we translate those benefits? Yeah, we were like, slurp on the face. <laughs> um, so we were like, yeah, can we translate some of those benefits that we know, you know, we know what avocados do for our insides. Does that translate to our skin? Our skin is our body's biggest organ. And that was the beginning of the journey. And we documented everything on a blog called Clean Beauty Insiders, sharing recipes, advice, just our, our general kind of exploration into, into natural beauty. And that was the start of the journey for us. Amazing. Yeah. And it was quite interesting because now in 2020, you know, sustainability is at the forefront. It's the core pillar of Bybee. It's, it's, you know, our whole universe revolves around how we can be more sustainable. But actually, some of the thought process we had back in 2015 actually were quite you know, they really fit into the ethos of Bybee. Um, so, you know, using unprocessed raw natural ingredients that actually do have a low carbon footprint that travel, you know, really short distances to be with us, but also diving into your fridge, looking at things that are about to go off. You know, again, if you don't finish your green smoothie, let's use the residue and put it on our face. So a lot of, you know, we were quite ahead of the curve in the way that we were thinking, although the term sustainability and kind of the environment hadn't had that uprising that it is kind of the conversations that are being had now so it's a really interesting platform and it makes what we're doing on Bybee really authentic because people can look back to prior launching a brand and say these girls really actually believe in in those philosophies and um yeah have those values which is great 100% and when did the kind of the so you talk about the ingredients which I think is really really interesting and similar it's funny you say about most of like skincare and beauty products containing mostly water and like you're literally paying for water that like at home things that's what we notice in cleaning products as well and literally like any standard household cleaning product it's 90% water so you're like literally paying for like basically water Mm. in plastic and like no one really can understand the back of the labels which I guess is good why you guys looked into it and then decided to do whatever from the sustainability angle when did that come into it like have you always been interested in sustainability is it something that kind of came almost simultaneously and it came to a head point where you're like actually we should consider 
both hand in hand or did one kind of come first and then the other was more of like a topical conversation? Yeah, I think when we decided to launch a skincare brand, we did so in 2017, so um, a few years ago now, Vibe. Um, so, you know, we'd been running a content platform for a number of years and, and had a community that we could openly discuss, thing with, discuss things with. Um, so the ethics that we decided to build around Bybee were always natural, vegan, cruelty-free because from our experiences making our own skincare, we saw the results from using natural ingredients. So we were like, let's make the most efficacious, potent formulations that we can. Um, and then why do animal derivatives need to be in our skincare products? Yeah. They just don't. There's no reason for it. And, you know, we were already vegetarian, you know, very, like, frequently vegan. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but... But, you know, animal welfare is, is still a huge passion of ours. So those were ethics that we had from the forefront. But when you tend to have those ethics, things like sustainable packaging, you know, or, you know, recyclability, those things just automatically come in that fold. Because if you're thinking about the animals and the environment, then packaging obviously is a component of that as well. So from day one, we had sugarcane, bioplastic, we used glass, all of our packaging has always been recyclable. Um, so those, you know, the roots of sustainability were always there in our brand. But as we began to understand the supply chain better in beauty, we saw that there was a lot more improvement that we could make around our carbon emissions, um, you know, looking at the sourcing of our ingredients, the labour and welfare of the people that are sourcing the ingredients as well, which is never spoken about in beauty. Yeah. Um, so I think sustainability became this kind of overarching pillar because it's the only one word that can kind of encompass all of those things. Because then you're saying, oh, we're a skincare brand, but we also do this and this and this and this, and it gets very confusing for a consumer. So Absolutely. in the past kind of year, we've started to say, okay, all of those things mean that we are a sustainable beauty brand, and that's kind of our ethos, and it's a core pillar of ours. Which I think is amazing, and I think having... You guys really do, I think, I believe, have sustainability at every touch point. So like even looking at your website, and I, I don't know if it's in the About Us section, but it's very clear, like you can click onto ingredients, manufacturing, packaging, and there's real in-depth breakdowns about this is this, this is that. What, I mean, I don't know when that went on your website. I haven't looked at your website every day for the last five years, whatever, but what? I know, I'm so sorry. It's come out. I'm not the biggest fan as I said I was. But I think that's so interesting like obviously because I'm interested in that but from your experience and your feedback a what was the decision to be so transparent from what you said I guess it's because it was innately what you were doing there's no like you actually don't have anything to hide but have you had what's the feedback been from that are do you find that consumers genuinely want to know that do they find that interesting do you think that that's a like a purchase decision point for some people what's your experience been since you've been very open and talking about that I think that um, the way that you communicate sustainability as a brand in times that are as sensitive as they are um, is very, very tricky. And yeah. the entire process has been a learning curve for us. And we have a long way to go. And we're the first brand to say we are not perfect. And I don't think perfection will ever exist yeah. in this conversation. Um, but we will do all we can. What we found was, so the, the areas of the website that you're talking about are actually fairly recently up and they took us quite a long time to get to and there's a lot of work that needs to go into um, fine-tuning and tweaking and making the messaging even clearer. But we've been doing all of this stuff behind the scenes when it comes to sustainability um, since 2017, since we launched, right? But a lot of that has been as novices and not, you know, not a duo who studied sustainability at any level, um, don't even come from beauty backgrounds, um, 
we've had to spend the past like 18 months really digging into the entire beauty supply chain and like Dominica said like really understanding it to then start to understand where we can make improvements as a brand and prioritizing the areas that we think we can have the biggest changes and biggest impact on so there's a whole piece of work going on there and whilst we want to go out to our customer and say guys this is all look at all of the work we're doing and look at that is not concrete enough for anybody to care about and yeah. all you get is backlash so for the first part of our brand we go out with messaging around our packaging because that's the easiest most tangible way of seeing things but to be completely honest the messaging wasn't concrete enough and we hadn't put enough thought into how we communicate it so we had a lot of back and forth with people questioning things like the sugarcane bioplastic that Mm. we use questioning the use of glass all really really valid and we hadn't kind of like formed the communication structure enough and probably didn't have enough of an understanding ourselves to really like clearly go to the consumer and say this is our stance on xyz so what we did instead was spend the last pretty much the whole of last year um, identifying the areas that we could have the biggest impact and then working out how we communicate that to the customer in the simplest way and what we came up with was looking at three areas of our supply chain ingredients manufacturing and packaging really like tangible bits that make a lot of sense to people people understand that they're ingredients they understand that they have to all be put into a bottle together and there's a process and they can really like truly see the packaging and we feel like that is the easiest way to communicate that to the customer and then we put around you know a whole load of messaging around what we do in each one so really like clarifying and making it like crystal clear um, the stages that we um, can have an impact in has really helped us to communicate to our customers because um, they just find it easier to digest Um, as you say like the information is quite thorough on each one of those and if they have any questions on any bit we're able to go back and say you know have a read of this this is what we're doing here I think to your question about how much this impacts purchasing decisions um this is that is ever changing and really really different for different sets of customers that we have so you know we're stocked in boots for example we're stocked in sephora you know one of our customers in sephora thailand probably isn't as concerned at the moment about um you know how we source our ingredients as maybe a customer who shops directly from bybee based here in the uk um so we have to be able to tweak messaging um based on who we're talking to but knowing that we're always doing the most that we can in in that um in that realm of sustainability and i think people some people will buy us because of sustainability i think that will continue to grow but at the moment people will buy us for performance yeah because they believe that the product will work and they will stay with us because they then understand more about what we're doing with sustainability absolutely i think that's so important and since and you're right neither of you come from like a sustainable background i think it's something that we are all continuously learning and I think it's really important to stress that nobody is perfect and we can all just do our little bit and and continue to learn and continue to know what differences that makes from your learnings that you've taken like both personally and professionally has there been anything that you've been truly not like a specific example but anything you've been shocked by that you've then kind of adapted into your own lives at home because obviously this is from your like professional angle and obviously you're building a business where efficacy and sustainability kind of work hand in hand but has there been anything on your journey either together or separately that you've you've realized through doing by be that you've been like oh my god I didn't ever think about that or you know no one talks about that I'm gonna think about this habit or maybe think about that or change something have you taken anything personally away from that 
Yeah, I think the thing that springs to my mind is the sheer amount of unrecyclable packaging that is produced in beauty. And until you start to really peel back the layers and ask the questions of the suppliers, you actually don't realise how much knowingly unrecyclable materials are being produced. Yeah. You know, basically anything that is fancy from an airless pump to a spray cap to any sort of decoration that is, you know, above and beyond, any sort of glitter foiling, all of that stuff is literally unrecyclable. So no matter what you do with it, it will stay here forever. And I think that is a massive um, kind of lack of responsibility of the beauty industry. And still today, you know, you look at the shelves of boots and probably 80% of that packaging is unrecyclable. And yeah. brands are 100% knowingly producing that on scale, millions and millions and millions of units of packaging. Sometimes even putting the fact, you know, a recycling label on it, knowing full well that you can't recycle yeah. it. And I think that's just, it's quite appalling that an industry of this size, you know, we're talking 200 billion globally, is knowingly continuously producing that and I think that was quite a shocking moment for us what have you I guess what's your view on companies big companies so like the L'Oreal's like the Garnier's like the Unilever's producing these products and are now like trying to play the sustainability angle or if not the sustainability like the vegan angle or the recyclable angle like have you seen a big influx in that in like obviously your world and like you said on the shelves of boots have you seen that slowly more brands are claiming to do the kind of sustainable things without actually doing their homework yeah for sure I think um and just kind of like tying back to your last question as well so we run a series of events called the Susty Summit um, mm, I was gonna ask you about that yeah. yes okay great mm. <laughs> well, we can talk about it <laughs> uh our next one is the 5th of March um and it's about women and sustainability um, yeah. as part of International Women's Day um so this is basically our chance to bring in experts and talk about different areas of sustainability within beauty and personal care but um we will go beyond that as well um and you know to your last question about like what have you what have you kind of learned in this process that the things that some of these experts share with us are, are truly shocking yeah the fact that brands are putting symbols on packaging knowing like full well knowing that they're incorrect and and there's like little regulation around that um one of the last speakers that we had was basically like you can do everything you want you can recycle everything you want but if your home does not run on green energy you are a tokenist he was like that is the biggest change that you can make easily as a consumer um that will have the biggest impact and yet nobody's talking about it because energy is like intangible you can't yes. you know um so that was like whoa to me um and a lot of these experts that we bring in to speak are um they do a lot within auditing they do a lot within sustainability strategy um so they are like you know hugely knowledgeable in their field and they do actually do a lot of work with a lot of the big companies um so you know we sit down and talk to them afterwards we're doing a big piece of auditing auditing our supply chain and the companies or individuals that we're working with are often working on projects for the likes of L'Oreal, Unilever, Estee Lauder. So I think the good news is these businesses are thinking about it. Yeah. Even if they're not going out with it yet, because one, you know, their marketing communication strategy plans get signed off probably five years in advance. <laughs> and two, a lot of them are a little bit nervous, I think, to, yeah. to say that they're doing anything because they know the backlash that they will receive yeah. um, as a as a, a giant, um, I can never say the word, con conglomerate. <laughs> I always <laughs> say, try and say it, don't I? I'm like, conglomerate. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so I think there's some 
there's there are pieces of work that are going on even in some of the like biggest culprits um which are you know which is good good to know that they are all starting um to kind of make movements um it will just take a long time for um changes that will have real um, impact to to come into place because you've got to think about you know if we take just just beauty brands or just personal care brands for example like um, global personal care brands, the time it will take for them to change a single um, material in their packaging across one of their probably thousands of SKUs, um, we're talking years, right, for that change to be affected globally. Um, so I think a lot of these big businesses um, are making changes, which is really exciting, some more than other, others. You know, we see Unilever making um, great waves in, yeah. um, and making committing to doing great things. Um, but I, I think the reality is um, that, that it's not going to move very quickly. Um, there is greenwashing going on. I think the biggest culprit in beauty is saying that you're a sustainable brand because your recycling, your packaging is recyclable. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing that a lot. And actually, that isn't just the big brands that are doing that. There are small startup brands coming through claiming that they're a sustainable brand. And then you ask them why, and they're like, oh, our packaging is recyclable. And it's yeah. like, that is the absolute minimum. That shouldn't, the brands shouldn't be producing anything that isn't recyclable. You can't say that you're sustainable just because, you know, because you're you're using a plastic that can be recycled by some facilities. Um, so I think there's a lot of greenwashing still going on around beauty packaging. And then anything deeper than packaging, we're just not seeing much attention on in beauty at the moment. So nobody is really talking about ingredients. Nobody is really talking about energy consumption, manufacturing. Um, so we're really excited to be the first and, and the real leaders in that conversation. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, if the lights of L'Oreal and Unilever don't change, we're all pretty screwed because it, it takes, you know, hundreds of years to build a business of that size. Yeah. So, you know, Bybee is never going to be the size of Unilever in any sort of meaningful time frame. You guys never know. Oh, well. You never know. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I mean, they're global footprint and the amount yeah. of products that they produce across a number of different categories is huge so actually if if collectively they are producing something sustainable let's all buy it so they see the impact of that and then they're incentivized so i know with ren for example which is owned by unilever they've had massive increase in sales since they switched all of their packaging to being you know used ocean plastics and things like that yeah. so then that spurs them on to be like oh this actually resonates with our consumer let's continue let's continue making these changes so I think like you know we've all kind of hated on the conglomerates for a while now but regardless of that you know they have huge scale and we need to also see positive change from them as well Absolutely. so let's support that rather mm. than just antagonize them something you touched upon which I'm very interested genuinely in asking you about is about companies producing packaging products and packaging that they then say like oh but don't worry it's recyclable and it's like yeah but babe like it's not really fully recyclable is it like just don't produce that kind of packaging in the first place you guys do circular recycling yeah on some of your products is that the correct term yeah fantastic yes. tell me about that and tell our listeners about that because i've obviously read about it but for people who might not have read about it on your website like explain it because i thought it was really really interesting yeah i think with packaging we've gone in circles no pun intended um <laughs> It's really challenging with packaging because at the end of the day, you're still 
you know, as much as it's not single use, it's still a short lifespan in sure. terms of packaging. You know, a cream will last you three months. You know, one of our boosters might last you six weeks if you get through it, you know. So regardless of what materials they're made from, and even if they're post-consumer recycled materials, you know, the lifespan of that piece of packaging is quite short. And unless someone's really thoughtfully recycling it and then their local borough has the facilities to then recycle it as well it's most likely going to end up in landfill, as you said, regardless of if it's got a recycling label on it, you know, or saying it's recyclable. So I think launching the circular recycling scheme and circular economies, I think, are the only way really that we're going to get out of our current mess. Um, the idea that we can continue on this linear path of creating more and finding ways to dispose of it, but then just creating more and disposing of it is just a really outdated um, and not very forward-thinking kind of like economy structure. So we were thinking about the best way that we can implement a circular economy structure in our business. And packaging was the most obvious one because it has that tangible afterlife. You know, it is a physical product, physical piece of packaging that then will sit on the earth if it's not properly dealt with. Um, so in terms of how it works, it's, it's super simple. We Because we do all product development in-house, we have a lab. We have great facilities that we're able to sterilize and reuse. Um, we either send them to our manufacturer or we refill them ourselves. Um, so it's just using that same piece of packaging like for like. And that's really important because it doesn't have to then go through the carbon intensive process of recycling. But also we don't have to then redecorate it, reship it, mm. remove it. It's like it comes back to us, it's cleaned and then it goes back out again. Um, and it's probably the, the closest like gaps that we can fill in terms of our packaging kind of like economy and um, lifespan so yeah it's super easy like you get a returns label with every bybee.com order but if you shop at Boots even you know wherever you buy bybee um, you can go onto our website for a prepaid returns label send everything back to us and we'll reuse it or at, if for whatever reason we can't reuse it we'll at the very least make sure it is recycled properly that's amazing that's so so cool so for both of you what has been I guess personally and professionally, what have you found to be the main challenges of running a beauty brand with like sustainability and naturalness, naturalness, <laughs> naturality at its core? Like what have been the key learnings and challenges for you guys? I would say that in itself is a challenge, being a natural and sustainable brand, because mm. they don't go hand in hand. Sure. So we we use natural ingredients across the board, which stems back to our frustration with the mainstream beauty that we talked about at the beginning, where we were like, the actives just aren't high enough to do anything for our skin. And I think the thing to stress here, in all of this sustainability, you know, climate consciousness, at the moment, um, and I kind of touched on this earlier, consumers aren't willing to compromise um, on performance and actually they shouldn't have to compromise on performance we can come up with solutions that you know where performance and sustainability go hand in hand and I think the the most obvious examples of this are, are fashion so you know yeah. we're seeing tons of fashion brands Reformation, Stella, Allbirds you know who are really leading the way in um, cutting edge design and the performance of the products but also doing it in a way that's environmentally responsible so there shouldn't be a compromise but the only way that we will get any cut through in a very very cluttered environment is by pr producing products that really work and we truly believe through all of that clean beauty insiders process where we were making you know shoving avocado on our face <laughs> we truly believe that natural um, high quantities of potent ingredients way less just distilled water like we'll never you 
on any of our inkies will you see water as the number one ingredient. In fact, there's only one product at the moment where it's in a small quantity, um, and the rest will use floral waters that actually have benefits for the skin. You know, we use oils in high quantities because we really believe they nourish, they're like nutrients kind of hit for your skin. Yeah. So we believe that natural is the way for great efficacy and beauty, but natural means we are drawing upon the earth's resources. Mm -hmm. And to then be a sustainable brand, we've got to think really carefully about the way that we do that. And I would say at the moment, that is one of the biggest challenges for us. It's how do we find high performance natural ingredients um, that don't, um, don't put the earth at jeopardy, basically. So we developed an internal auditing system called the Susti Score, where we um, assess each ingredient that we use based on a number of things. So we'll look at things like its source location, how far has it had to travel to get to us. We look at its renewability. You know, are we are we drawing upon a source that actually is really not very renewable? Mm. It you know it grows once every two years it can be harvested and, and we use one petal from the entire plant, you know, like in that... And also, it, it happens a lot in beauty. Yeah, the, the be like exoticness in beauty has been like, it's it's a luxury, right? It's a premium. Yeah. Like you think about like um, brands like Le Mer, like you, you take a, a highly exotic ingredient and all of a sudden you can put a huge price tag on it. And, you know, that we've got to get out of that mindset. It doesn't make any sense in beauty. Um, so it's like if we can find something that does the same as that very rare plant, but we can source it much closer to home and it, you know, it grows in abundance, there are fields and fields and fields of it, then that is a way better option. We look at its biodegradability, what happens when you put it down the drain, you know, is it actually going to biodegrade? Yeah. And then we look at the actual supplier, what, who are the people making this? Who are the people growing, harvesting? How are they looked after? Do they support their local communities? So that's a way for us to be really strict with ourselves and still adhere to being an, a clean, natural brand. Um, but it's a challenge yeah. because it, the, temp the temptation is to kind of like, oh, like, look at this, like, really, like, beautiful flower that promises, you know, youth hundreds of years of youth <laughs> but it's only grown in Japan and you know you can Every harvest it years. yeah <laughs> like, and there is a temptation and also because the beauty industry is geared that way this is the kind of stuff that we get presented by the distributors of, of all of these ingredients they'll come and be like we've got this amazing new nut and we're like yeah. guys no like this is not <laughs> renewable it's not sustainable so that is a, a huge challenge for us and, yeah. and it'll be really interesting you know we don't know how that will evolve you know what, how will we continue to kind of like stay at the forefront of efficacy and also stay at the forefront of sustainability yeah I think where we have an advantage being natural though is that we can use a lot of food byproducts which mm. we're seeing more and more so you know some of our cold press oils are byproducts of the juicing industry again we're, we're removing waste which is quite key yeah um so we're taking things that are, would otherwise be thrown away there's a lot of movement and exciting things happening in that area most of it is done in the UK as well which means that from a source location perspective, we're able to really dramatically reduce our carbon That's emissions cool. around transport. Because again, traditionally beauty has been a very much a global sourcing um, kind of mechanism. So there's really interesting things happening. We use sugarcane byproducts as well, not just in our packaging, but in our preservatives and emulsifiers. Um, even the floral waters that Elsie was talking about is actually a byproduct of the essential oil distillation process. Mm -hmm. So that would otherwise be thrown away. So not only are we not dipping into kind of distilled water, which we know is in short supply around the world, but we're using a byproduct of something that's already happening. So those are the kind of things that we can do by being natural. Um, and a lot of brands wouldn't do because it's quite expensive 
massive. Yeah. But because we've always had that philosophy around formulation, it's always been factored into our costs. It's not a shocking thing for us to then switch, you know, distilled water to a floral water, which at, t- at times it's 10 times the price, yeah. you know. It's like quite dramatic shifts in cost there but we've always done it so therefore our yeah. business is structured in a way that we can accommodate those costs yeah but the the kind of like byproduct usage is is really really key for us as well and for people who can't see you both have glowing skin <laughs> like really nice skin so it obviously works <laughs> now i'm gonna end on a quick quiz very oh, quick quiz oh no do you like quizzes <laughs> nobody get a choice yeah. well the you can do multiple choice. I can give you multiple choice if you don't think the question's good. Question one. Over and I got I think I got this statistic from your website. Oh Over 120 billion units of packaging produced globally by the cosmetics industry each year. Yes. How many units are in a bottle of wine? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Three. Uh, I'm gonna go with what is a large glass of wines like? No one ever knows this. No when you go to a new doctor no, and they're like, how many units do you drink a week? Like, one? <laughs> Three? I'm going to go with one and a five? half. <laughs> is it one and a half per glass? And then you can get like four large glasses oh, out yeah. of a yeah, bottle. Yeah. I don't know. Five. Ten. Oh! I know. Shocking, isn't this it? This is not conducive <laughs> to our earlier yeah. chat. Drink the wine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was quite shocking. I was like, okay, all right, that explains Friday night. Question two. The EU's circular economy package aims to ensure that all plastic packaging is recyclable by when? Oh, it's like 2050. Lower. 2013. Yes, mm, right. exactly. Didn't they re- revisit it? Or maybe <laughs> it was the Tories that said 2050 and then they like... Loop it was, it yes, yeah, it yeah. was them. Not these people. Not the EU circular economy <laughs> package. It's so yeah. different. It's so different. And finally, what phrase did Donald Trump try to trademark in 2004? <laughs> <laughs> oh if this God. is the one that you get, I will find that hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I can only take a guess, but I don't know for sure. 2004, that was like back in his like... 2004 or 14? Four. Oh, wow. Like, Donald Trump for president? Yeah. No? No, it was, you're fired. Oh, of course. Which had a trademark, you're fired. But surely Sugar was like, which apprentice came first? I don't know. I think the US. Did it? Oh. I think maybe Sorry. the English one though, because isn't it called The Apprentice USA? Mm. You know, like when it's like, I don't. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But how is The Apprentice still going in the UK if it I was? Can't, it came yeah, about. that is true. That's like ridiculous. I think it's been long. a long time. I remember watching it like back at school, which maybe. was a while ago. Now. <laughs> like a while ago. <laughs> Guys, where can people find you? On the internet. That's not a quiz question. It's going to be like, uh, I am, it's a riddle. <laughs> you can find us. Find us in a Reddit chat. Uh, <laughs> many places actually. Bybee.com or at Bybee Beauty. Cleanbeautyinsiders.com. Uh, Clean Beauty Insiders, the podcast on iTunes and Spotify or at Clean Beauty Insiders. Many, many places. All the places. <laughs> just you look. Can't move on the internet. Yeah. You just turn us. around. They're probably behind you. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter and all the other socials at get underscore home things. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for listening to another episode. If you've got to the end, give yourself a pat on the back. That's pretty impressive. If you enjoyed the show, we would really, really love it if you could leave us a five-star review, no lower, otherwise you're disqualified, and write a lovely little comment and share the podcast with your friends. We're a new show, we really want to get out there, and we want to tell the world all about what we do. So do us a little favour, help us out, and in return, come cash in a big old hug. Thanks so much.